0: Let's open in prayer, because that's always a good idea. Father God, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the way that everything is recorded in there, in different ways, in songs, in chronologies, in uh, write-ups, in autobiographies, Lord. And we thank you that we can uh, gather things from that and understand further who you are and the promise that you have for our lives. And Lord, we pray that you'd open up this story uh, this morning. We'd o- you'd open up Moses' life to us this morning. We'd learn something new from that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, where are we within Promise Keepers? Uh, In our previous Promise Keeper sessions, we've covered Adam and Eve uh, and the promise God made to them after that incident with the fruit in the garden. Uh, We looked at Noah too and what uh, what God promised to help keep us afloat. (laughs) Uh, And last month was Abraham and how God was building a promise for a future and helping Abraham to understand the importance of trusting him and what importance that trust would have for the nations that would come after. And this month, like I said, we're going to look at Moses and the promise God gave to him. And this all takes place in the book of Exodus. And before now, we've only really been in Genesis, uh, and Moses' story takes up the next four books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so there's, there's a fair amount of information there. So to give some context for the promise Moses receives, let's see where it all started. So the Israelite people uh, are, are descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of Jacob's sons. Um, They found themselves in Egypt initially. This was a good plan. It was a safe haven from famine. And Joseph of the dreamcoat nature was in with Pharaoh. And so all was good. All was safe. Everybody happy there. In fact, they were so safe, they multiplied. (laughs) And they became numerous in that nation. So there were so many of them around. And time went on. And the leaders that were in place forgot why the Israelites were actually there. The Egyptians began to even dislike the Israelites um, and created back-breaking forms of work and punishment for them to do. So born into this kind of period of time where this initial promise of a great nation had been kind of almost forgotten by the Israelite people. Born into this time... Moses actually began life with a promise. He should never have survived birth. The edict had gone out from Pharaoh to kill all the newborn Israelite boys. The midwives knew of God, the Lord, and didn't follow these orders. And so in this moment, we find a boy that shouldn't have been found in the reeds and taken into the Pharaoh's house an improbable outcome to an impossible situation. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's home with all the luxuries afforded him, all the knowledge and wisdom he could learn, an opportunity full of promise. But he, he was raised in a way that still kept his identity as a Hebrew boy. He still knew of his lineage of his history, of God, of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob, of the people who had come before him. And then one day, the decision, the disaster that befolded before him, he became heated overseeing an exchange between an Egyptian and an Israelite. He kills the Egyptian and buries his body, becomes nervous and flees for a distant land, where he is taken in by a family. And he becomes a shepherd, a far step from the lifestyle and luxuries of the palace that he knew before, and far away from his people too. And time goes by and the Israelites were being worked harder and harder and harder, and they groaned and they prayed and they shouted out to God. And then in Exodus 2, verse 24, it says this, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. See, God never forgets the promise. It's just us who think that he's forgotten. He's waiting for the right time and the right situation to to unfold before him. But God remembers this promise. I genuinely just tried to swipe up on a piece of paper. (laughs) I'm getting, (laughs) anyway, uh, God is a promise keeper, even in times where we don't see it directly or what his plans are, he made a covenant with his people and he was going to keep that promise, a covenant is a promise, yeah, and God made that promise and he was going to keep it, so Moses is out shepherding and doing what shepherds do, washing socks, counting flocks, that kind of thing and he sees a burning bush there's a bush on fire now lots of things happen at this bush because it is no ordinary bush it doesn't it burns but it doesn't it's there and it's on fire but it's not flaming and going up in flames it's really weird and god's voice comes out of the bush or is in the presence of the bush when he's near i don't know how this works like it's just it just happens. God's voice is there, right? So sandals removed, Moses comes closer and listens to what God has to say to him. And after God gives his credentials and proves who he is, who he is, says he is, I am who I am. He is who he is, right? Um, God then says that it is time to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Time to enact the covenant clause and open up the next bit of the promise. The promise of land of milk and honey, a, a na- not made of milk and honey, though, yeah, because that would be really sticky wouldn 't it, and really icky, yeah, but a land that 's abundant with milk and honey, like lots and lots of food, lots of lots of uh, nourishment there in that place it 's a good place, sweetness going on, right Moses in, is encouraged. To go and talk to the Israelite elders. You know, God actually says, Go and talk to the Israelite elders. I'll lay this out, plan out for you. And they will listen to you. And then you and the elders are to go as a united front to Pharaoh and ask, the, ask him about releasing the Hebrew nation. Brilliant. But God knows this. In the background, God knows this that Pharaoh's heart won't change, it will be hardened, in fact. So, God's got a plan. His mighty hand, we were singing songs earlier on that said about God's mighty hand. We're going to see God's mighty hand in the verse, in, in this this morning. So, God's mighty hand will change his mind. It's a great plan. What could possibly go wrong with this plan? I mean, it's God's plan, right? Where have we seen other plans in the Bible that are God's plan that went right? Humans were involved. Yeah? We were involved, which normally means that something gets messed up. Yeah? God's plan is perfect and it'll happen the way that God promises and plans things. But when we get involved, sometimes it gets a bit messed up. So, um, Moses doubts his own persuasive abilities with the Israelite leaders. After all, they didn't part on the best of terms. His actions actually led to further pain for his people. He was no longer there to be uh, within Pharaoh's kind of like listening distance and to speak on his behalf of his people. The, his actions actually led to further pain. But God uh, even gives Moses some confidence with a staff and snake switcheroo miracle um and an appearing and disappearing leprosy moment yeah yet again moses says that he has a problem um he's not very good at public speaking not exactly the best thing when you're sending this person to uh to to speak to pharaoh god gets angry at this point actually states in the bible god is angered by this so it must have been quite a little bit of back and forth to be honest um But the the way I read it, it was as though uh, it was like, you know, when you get frustrated with a child when they've come down for the 20th time to say that they can't sleep. And they've given you every single excuse under the sun. You kind of get this idea with that's what's going on between God and Moses right now is that there's this example of eyebrows <laughs> raising. Yes, um, you know, you kind of get this example of it's like a parent kind of saying, "Stop giving me excuses. I'm taking all those excuses away. I've given you water. I've opened the blind. I've closed the blind. I've opened the window. Closed the window. The temperature's okay. You've got your quilt. You've got your snuggie. You've got everything. You're good to go." go with my blessing and go with my power. That's all you need. But yeah, so God gets frustrated with Moses. And then he points Moses to his brother Aaron and says, look, he'll be your eloquent mouthpiece. Tell him what I tell you and he'll say it to Pharaoh. There we are, public speaking sorted. All excuses gone off to the Israelite leaders to explain what's going on. Most importantly, that God had heard the cries of his people. God wanted to comfort his people to tell them, look, I've not forgotten you. I've been listening. I've been watching. I've been waiting. It, so, yeah. Right. So, uh, Moses and Aaron uh, next go to Pharaoh. All other things, uh, things that God had told them to do had gone so well. Everything that God had said for them to do so far had gone brilliantly. The Israelite leaders believed them. They knew. uh, They they understood. They showed them the signs. And the Israelite leaders were like, yes, this is God speaking. Yes, we're going to be free. This is brilliant. Okay, off to Pharaoh because God said, go see Pharaoh and then ask him to let my people go. So this is probably how it played out. They came up to Pharaoh, Moses. God said, let my people go. Pharaoh God who (laughs) Moses the God of the Hebrew people Pharaoh who See because Pharaoh wouldn't have known about this. He wouldn't have understood who was making this demand of the Hebrew people He just knew them as his slaves Moses God the Lord God on high And he will strike you with plagues and maybe sword if you don't let his people go. And Pharaoh was like, ah, yeah, the people, the people who are doing all the work for me, yeah? No, I'm not letting them go. (laughs) They're doing all the work for me. In fact, I'm going to make them work harder. Thanks for letting me know that they've got enough time to try and do this little coup thing. Um, I'm just going to work them harder now. I'm going to tell them to go and get their own straw and their own bricks and things. Right. So this happened. So you're almost like, what's going on, God? Why, are you, why have you asked us to get this far? And then suddenly we've had the door shut in our face. Is this like some kind of joke? And Pharaoh did. He made them work harder. He made the Israelite people work harder. In fact, there's a whole chapter devoted to how hard he made them work. It's called Bricks and Straw, and at the end of the chapter, we have the Israelites actually blaming Moses and Aaron for attempting to get them freedom. (laughs) So, there's this whole, like, blame culture that's going on. Do you remember in Adam and Eve, there's that finger-pointing blame moment that goes on? Blame. Now, my wife, Yale over there, has had to do an advanced driving course as part of being a paramedic, yeah? So that she can learn to drive at hideous speeds um, and have this hyper-awareness of the road. And I, I find it fascinating to see how it's affected her driving in a really amazing way. See, on a motorway, when I drive, I would normally be focusing on the driver ahead, the people around me, and the cars behind me. So everything in kind of like the immediate vicinity of me anything that's going to be like i'm going to bump you that that that's my kind of like circle of awareness whereas yale that's kind of second nature to her at the moment she's looking two cars ahead maybe even three cars ahead to the next junction because she's looking to see how that traffic's changing how that will affect the traffic in front and how that'll affect her speed, her driving, her braking, and what distance and what lane she needs to be in at that point. And this is where we find Moses at the moment. So, he's gone and done all the things that that God had asked him to, which is great. That's fantastic. And then he's come to this roadblock, and he's just seeing the immediate in front of him. Pharaoh said, no, what are we going to do? Whereas God is looking five steps ahead. God is looking at the whole situation and going, no, I've, I've got this planned. I know what, we, what moves we need to do. I know where we need to be. I've got this promise for you. I know where I need to keep it. So in chapter 6 of Exodus, we have this amazing awareness-raising moment where God kind of tells Moses about this situation where he can see the traffic ahead. Um. And it's a moment between God and Moses. And this is what I love about the way that it's written is like God and Moses are having this conversation. And this is lovely about all the promise keepers. They seem to have this commune, com, this ability to just speak with God. And you see it like Moses having conversations, wrestling and, and kind of discussing loads of things with God all the time, like talking to God, just like talking like we do, but with God amazing right and this is before jesus this is before the way's been made open and we can just pray god he's having this conversation this discussion so it's amazing um so he outlines to moses now that he will free the israelite people by showing his mighty hand and god promised his people way back with abraham to give them a land of their own and he's added to that promise by making them a free people as well but how will this promise come to be? How is it going to happen? The Israelites are scared to act in case it leads to anything worse. And Moses is kind of like being, well, he feels that the door has been shut to him. So God says to Moses and Aaron, this, that his mighty hand will be with them. So at the age of 80, well, there's a little bit more information there, but I'm trying to and then sit down for the purposes of this morning there's a little bit more there read it because it's fantastic um, so at the age of 80 and 83 anybody 80 or 83 this morning or at close to those ages 80 83 no ah, Sammy you're 80 yeah you're looking good for 80 mate <laughs> Is it oil of Olé? no yeah okay so at the age of 80 and 83 Moses and Aaron go and talk to Pharaoh, and the reason I say the ages is because it says it in the Bible, and the reason it says it in the Bible is because we know that then Moses dies at 120, and so we know that this period of time is going to take 40 years, 40 years. Anyway, I digress. What follows is what feels like a typical political situation, yeah, one that we kind of see in the news at the moment. Um, we have Moses and Aaron who present their request to release the Israelite people from slavery and they perform signs and miracles for Pharaoh and uh, on behalf of God the pharaoh's team like of magicians attempt to copy the signs and belittle it, the power of these signs but something i notice in this right is that they only try to copy the signs they don't try to undo What's been done by God? It's an interesting little tidbit that just like stuck out to me is that they just tried to copy and, like, you know, snakes up the sleeve and things like that, and like, do all of that, and mixing powders to turn water blood and things like that. But they don't try to undo it because what God does, you can't undo. It's amazing. It's a weird little thing that, that was in the middle of that. Right. Anyway, we get signs including snakes and blood rivers. And then when frogs enter the scene, lots of frogs, like super amounts of frogs, like frogs all over your feet. Anybody like frogs? Frogs? Lucy, you like frogs? There we are. Lots of frogs. Like you open your front door and it leaves like a thing where the frogs used to be. Yeah. You step and you're stepping on a frog. That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, frogs. Um, So loads and loads of frogs. Where was I? Yeah. So when the frogs uh, enter the scene, Pharaoh makes a promise to let the people go if the frogs stop. So Moses and Aaron go and pray, and the frogs die, and left a horrible, smelly thing in, in the whole land of Egypt. However, right, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he decided not to let the people go, Going back on his promise. <laughs> what? What's that? Someone in a position of leadership going back on a politically savvy promise? <laughs> Say no, never. Really? Anyway, this happens repeatedly. Nats, flies, livestock die, boils appear, and the hail that destroys houses. I'm not even on about, you know, like the hail that we get sometimes, the little, little teeny weeny hail. This is like hail the size of Volkswagen Beetles, like destroying houses, you know? Huge things that happen that only a, a wonderful creator could do. And we get locusts and even darkness. And at this point, even Pharaoh's officials are telling him to let the people go. Look, we can't put up with this anymore. Let them go. Finally, the firstborns. Now, do you remember that bit in Noah that we kind of struggled about, about the people outside the boat. This is This kind of a similar situation. And I've said this before, there are some really hard bits in the Bible to read. A plague of firstborns. And people can ask, like, where is God in that? Where is God in this part of the Bible? And it, I actually looked at it, and it's all over it. And this is a weird thing, like, God is all over this. The Egyptians were a sinful people. They worshipped idols, they did sinful things. And the warnings of the plagues and the signs of, were mercy in comparison to what judgment they right, rightfully deserved. And so God is there. God is actually showing mercy through these actions and through these signs. It's difficult. We don't know God's righteousness. We don't know how God like works and we can see how he acts, but we don't know. Anyway, Um, so one of the things that I understood from this, because it's a strange one, all these signs, like what's the significance of this? We've got darkness, we've got snakes, we've got our livestock dying, firstborns, and things like that, and I actually looked at it, and it was, the whole action is God systematically stripping away the religion of the Egyptian people. All of the 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 plagues are linked to idols and gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And God basically saying at each point, I'm bigger than that. I'm stronger than that. This is my mighty hand. And then finally with the the newborn, and the the one of darkness was Pharaoh himself, and this is why the people, this is why the servants and the, the officials were saying basically like, can we can we literally let them go now is pharaoh himself was considered to be i think it's ray like or a a kind of person in line with ray who was the god of the sun for the egyptian people and so the fact that god made it dark was basically saying you have no power here it's amazing i i thought i thought it was fantastic and uh, insane to think that this is what god was doing in showing his mighty hand anyway do you find it interesting Yeah? There we are. Good. (laughs) We're on on par. That's good. Um, So, on two fronts, the last plague pointed to the fact that God was the true protection. And for the Israelite people, it pointed to Jesus in the end, the promise of Jesus in the end. The moment of Passover happens right now, and that eventually Jesus would be our form of Passover, the blood that protects us from sin and death. Amazing that this promise is already playing out in their lives, the promise that started at the start. So this final sign broke Pharaoh and all his defenses were gone. God has stripped away every part of religion from him, systematically showing that he is mightier than all their idols. And just like that, God brings his people out of Egypt. Bam, they're out. Now, do you think it's all roses as Moses supposes it be? Erroneously? I had to fit it in there somewhere. Is Moses up there. Uh, there are 40 years of desert to walk through next, new covenants to be made uh, with a stone on stone, uh, tabernacles of meetings to be built, and many moments of grumbling, groaning, and a little bit of idol worship going on as well. But you know what? Through all this 40 years, and this is why I wanted to establish why it took so, so much to get the Israelite people out of there. Through all this 40 years, God kept his promise for his people. They may have gone through difficulty, through hardships, but this is what they needed to remember. than trust in God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob before them. God taught Abraham to trust the Israelite people needed to trust too. So if we jump to Deuteronomy 34, so all the way from the start of Moses' story to the end of Moses' story, we find uh, an old Moses who's 120. Anybody 120 this morning? Hannah? Yeah, you feel it, John? It's all right, we're finishing soon, it's fine. Um, Moses is at 120 years old. His wife and his brother have passed, and he has faithfully led the Israelite people for 40 years in the desert, holding on to a promise of new land, keeping faithful to God, sharing everything that God had taught them. So in this chapter, God leads Moses to this mountaintop. Sounds sounds a bit mean, really, telling a 120-year-old person to climb to a mountaintop, but Um, This is where Moses met with God very often, was at the the top of mountains. Um, So God leads Moses to these mountaintops and shows him the land ahead, the land that the Israelite people will inhabit. And he says these words to Moses, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I meant it. And there's this little thing there, that I've let you see it with your own eyes, but you will never cross into it. Seems a bit mean, doesn't it? Moses, done everything God wanted him to do, led the Israelite people for 40 years through the desert, following a promise, but you can't go into that promise. Ooh, that's mean. What is it? See, there, there's this moment. There's um, there's this moment, and there's this bit uh, of Moses not being able to cross into the de- into this new promise. And I want to I want to encourage you to read that for yourself because it's it's really interesting. It involves a staff and a rock, and I, the rock needed a good talking to. <laughs> Anybody in the know chuckles there. there so the rock needed a good talking to, but Moses acted differently. And it was at that, that situation that basically broke that promise with, between God and Moses. And there's a lot more involved in it than that. Um, but, it, and it feels, it feels horrible to not have to go in, not be able to go into a little bit more detail about it, really. But, you know, for the, for the purposes of this morning, we can't really. But I encourage you to go and look at that bit because of it. But, do you know what? Even through that, even through the fact that Moses knew that he wouldn't be able to go into the promised land. He knew that he wouldn't be able to. He still led the people faithfully. He still followed God's plan and led people into a promise that he wouldn't be able to experience. And can we say that about ourselves as leaders, as as Christians? Is that we're comfortable with maybe not knowing that a promise that has been put on the church, on our lives, on our children's lives, we might not be able to experience, but they will. It's amazing, isn't it? That, that we can have that comfort in knowing from Moses' story that we can enable other people to experience a promise. So, um, to wrap it up, yay, I hear you say. Um, to, <laughs> to wrap it up, what have we learned from this exodus with Moses? Hopefully, a fair amount. Um, but we know that God is mighty. Yeah, God is mighty. He is greater than all things, all idols on earth. God is mighty. Amazing. No matter the length of time, God keeps his promise and is always looking ahead to where we are. Do you know 400 years go on in between this time of like Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and when Moses? 400 years. And God keeps that promise throughout. Uh, Even if the promise isn't ours, we can still be part of it. So are you part of somebody else's promise? You might be. Are you praying into that, that you can be part of somebody else's promise, that you can be that shoulder that people can stand on, that encouragement for somebody in their, in their walk with God? Uh, God gives things we need to act on his behalf. So when Moses came out with all excuses, maybe we don't feel confident in school to talk to our friends about God, or maybe we don't feel it in work, or we don't feel we have the right words. We can know that God equips us and establishes that in us, that we can Step forward in him or takes those excuses away from us. Uh, God gave things, uh, God promised, God's promise never changes. Um, the people changed around it. The God's promise was a through line. And what's that, what's that lovely uh, quote? God makes straight lines with crooked sticks. Yeah, crooked people. So whether we make decisions that take us in different directions, God will still have a through line of promise. God is true to his word, to his oath, and we should trust in him in all things. And that's the encouragement, I think, and that's the promise keeper moment from this, is that Moses ended up trusting God enough that he was willing to give his whole life to basically follow him. And a good 40-year kind of section of that. Amazing, yeah? Amazing? Awesome? How awesome? How awesome is that? Right. Um,